Paul that we started the sermon with me asking you to kind of repeat after me. And I did this little thing where I said uh, me, and you said me, and I said me, I, me, I need to lead. And you repeated back me, I need to lead. And so last week, if you were here, maybe you recall that uh, we said the number one obstacle in me leading me, the number one obstacle in me leading me is my emotions, my emotions. And uh, we are not to let our emotions lead us. We are to sort of be in control of our um, emotions. But uh, here's the reality. Uh, We're all pretty good at letting our emotions lead us. We like to take uh, the path of least resistance. Uh, We like to kind of move away from something that might be scary or fearful. And we uh, simply do what is the easiest. And we let, and our emotions are strong and they're powerful. And here's kind of a picture of what it looks like. This is me trying to push back on my emotions and uh, you ever feel that way? Something uh, traumatic happens, something big, and uh, sometimes it's not even that big, but we kind of feel like there's uh, our emotions are a big sumo wrestler, and we're trying to push up against them, but the reality is is that feelings are not to control us, but we are to control our feelings. So this morning, I would like you to say this. I want you to say, feelings, say feelings, Feelings. say you're not the boss of me. Now, say this, say, feelings, you're not the boss of me. Good luck with that. Feelings, you're not the boss of me. Because here's what we know about feelings. Because um, we know that insecurity, sometimes you feel insecure about things. Insecurity says back to us, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to do this. It's scary. And so it looks back at us and says, because you're insecure, I'm going to lead. That's what insecurity communicates to us. And anger, it shouts at us. Anger shouts at us and says, uh, you will do what I say. Right? Anger takes over and all of a sudden we're doing things that we might not otherwise do or say because it just kind of runs right over the, the top of us. And discomfort says, run the other way. Run the other way. That's challenging. That's going to be difficult. That's going to be hard. That's why I don't run marathons. (laughs) Really? Think about it. Discomfort says run the other way. Fear whispers. I have authority over you. I have authority. You can't do that because you're afraid. Fear whispers that. Envy. Envy says you are incomplete. You look at what they have against what I have, and I feel envy, feeling this emotion of envy, this feeling of envy. It just simply is communicating to me, you're not good enough. You're not complete, Steve. And disappointment says, I'm going to tell you what to do. Feelings, you're not the boss of me. We need to say, feelings, you're not the boss of me. Here's the thing. Feelings are real. Feelings are real. We all experience real emotion in our life. They are real, but they are not to lead us. We are to lead or learn from them. That's the way it's supposed to work. So how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you grab control of these emotions that we have and lead them instead of them not leading us? Well, Paul speaks to that in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And he he says, do this. He says, this is what we are to do. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, 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 think about such things. What's that mean? It means fix our thoughts on. It means manage your thoughts, control them. Me, I need to lead. I need to think about things that are good and not bad. Here's the reality. Two people can be experiencing or going through identical things and have very different responses to those things. We saw some of that last week, right? Uh, Jonah. You all know the story of Jonah. We talked about that last week. Jonah looked at the city of Nineveh and Jonah said, no, they don't need to know God. I'm not going there. God looked at the city of Nineveh and said, yes, you need to go there and you need to communicate who I am to them. And then what happened? Same scenario, two different viewpoints. Uh, last week we, we talked about, um, remember David? Uh, David, he sees uh, Bathsheba and he has an opportunity to fulfill his lustful desires. And he looks at Bathsheba and says, yes, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. And then you remember Joseph, and Joseph was there, and he had the same opportunity to fulfill his lustful desires. And he looked at at Potiphar's wife and said, no, I am not going to take advantage of this opportunity to fulfill my lustful desires. And so you've got the same scenarios, but very different emotional responses to the information and the data that they were bringing in. The way we think forms our outlook. We need to think about what is good and lovely and put those things in our mind. Unfortunately, we all know someone who has battled cancer. Uh, We know someone that uh, has uh, suffered a job loss, something very difficult or traumatic, another kind of loss, a loss of a loved one. And we've watched people go through those experiences and they have been angry and they have lashed out and they have just been enraged by the situation that they have gone through or the experience that they have had. We've also known people that have went through those same exact things with grace and peace and calm and love. Getting a hold of our emotions. The number one obstacle to me leading me is my emotions and feelings. You're not the boss of me, and I am to control them, and they are not to control me. How do we go about doing that? Romans chapter 12. Paul tells us, he says this. Now listen to this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Let me ask you, being a living sacrifice, Paul says, I want you as a Christ follower to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Does that sound easy? Does that sound passive? Does that sound, well, whatever comes, it's... Does that sound hard? Does that sound difficult? This is your true and proper worship. So being lazy, 
or being passive. Is that true worship unto God? Or is true worship unto God a living sacrifice? It's going to be hard. It's going to require something of me. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. There is a ruler of this age and this world, and that's the devil, and he's trying to entice us away from the things of God all the time. But scriptures tell us that we are to renew our mind And it's going to require some effort. So how do we go about doing that? We need to do this. Give God permission to change you. I want you to think about something. Give God permission to change you. I want you to think about this. For maybe most of us in the room, uh, there was a time in our life when we said, uh, I realize what Jesus has done for me. I don't really comprehend it, but I get it. Um, that God has a son and God sent his son to this earth and he died on a cross and so that I didn't have to suffer the consequences of my sin. Jesus suffered the, the consequence of, of sin for me and so I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I desire to be baptized into him. I want to be in his family. I want him to be the ruler and the Lord of my life. I desperately do not want to go to hell. I accept the salvation that is offered freely to me. I'm grabbing a hold of that life right and I don't, I don't want to, I, and so I accept my salvation and we were saved unto Christ. But think about this. Yes, our soul was saved. But our mind wasn't. Our mind wasn't. Our mind still wanders all over the place and our mind still questions a lot of things about God and whether or not we're even saved. Sometimes we, we kind of question that and battle that and, and we, and just because, just because we were saved and gave ourselves and we are now in the kingdom of heaven doesn't mean all those battles that are in our mind didn't go away. If that was the case, wouldn't we be able to in every situation just say, I am going to do the right thing? Because I've been saved from ever being tempted away from doing the wrong. No, our mind still, it takes a lot of work and a lifetime to work, to turn that around. And even after a lifetime, we don't get that turned around. We have to continue to be in the gate. Old habits die hard. But God is in the, listen, God is in the transformation business. God is in the transformation business. Write this down. Here we go. Into your bulletin, into your notes. Transformation does not come automatically with new information. Transformation does not come automatically with new information. Uh, Not too long ago, my uh, wife and I, uh, decided we were going to put a bed down in the basement bedroom because our kids are going to come for Thanksgiving. And uh, we happened to be in Indiana, and we bought a bed at Ikea, and, uh, and it came with an instruction book. And so I turned all of the pages of the instruction book, and there was a lot of information there. And I looked at the book, and I saw all of the information, and I even began to process the information that was in the book, but the bed didn't put itself together. Transformation does not come automatically with new information. That means you can attend church and you can go to Sunday school 
And you can be in a Bible study. That means that you can attend church and not change. Because transformation does not come automatically with new information. Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. And then you change. Acquiring new information, by the way, acquiring new information is not why you come to church. If you come to church and you sit back and you go, well, that sermon was really good. There was a lot of new information there. Now I can go home with this new information. That's not why you come. So, know this. There are pitfalls. There are pitfalls and snares and traps along the way. We can say out loud, me, I need to lead. And the number one obstacle to uh, me being uh, the person I really want to be is my emotions. They're pushing on me like a big sumo wrestler and feelings. You're not the boss of me. And we can say all of those things. And uh, But there are all of these pitfalls that we are going to be. Satan uses these things. He pushes up against us. And there's things like this. All or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking extremes. That person doesn't like me, therefore I quit. I didn't get the job, therefore I'm useless. You ever have that stuff kind of swim around in your head? One thing happens, it kind of takes over. All or nothing thinking? That's a devil. That's a devil. What about this one? Overgeneralization. Overgeneralization. When you have a disagreement with one person and then you begin to tell the story as everyone is against me or everyone is on that side, and we do those kinds of things in, in our mind. Not in reality, but in our mind, we do those things. Those come from emotional, mental filtering, mental filtering. You ever filter out all of the good stuff and dwell on the bad stuff? Um, there's times that uh, uh, as I'm leaving the stage, after I finish my sermon, as I'm, you know, I haven't even made it, you know, three steps down here and I go, oh, I forgot to say that in my sermon. Uh, you don't know that. I don't come back up here and say, let's go back to that other part because you don't want to, you don't care about that anyway. But um, I know, I know I forgot that thing and I can leave here or, or maybe somebody will, you know, kind of challenge something that I did in my sermon or whatever. And, and I can think about that and I can dwell on that and I can beat myself up over that, and and so I can I can go and go right to that. I can filter out the fact that ninety eight percent of it was there and it was all a deliver. But that two percent, man, that uh, you just you're a failure there. And uh, you ever you ever do something like that? Here's something that somebody told me once upon a time: one hundred compliments versus one criticism equals one criticism. 100 compliments versus one criticism equals one criticism. And so probably things are a lot better than than we allow our mind to think. But the devil, he likes to get in there and says, oh no, it's all or nothing. You're either good or you're bad and probably you're bad. Overgeneralizing things and mental filtering, filtering out all of the, uh, the good and then jumping to conclusions, filtering everything through the negative the devil comes after you and he uses those things. So what, what do we do? What do we do? And now you're saying, well, you can't give us any new information, Steve, because new information clearly isn't going to do anything for us. So I'm not going to give you any new information. I'm going to give you three action steps. You, you, you following me there? You following me there? There's the difference between getting new information and action steps. Oh, boy. 
Um, you guys can watch this later. It'll be available on YouTube, and you'll, you'll figure that one out, okay? You'll laugh then, okay? <laughs> Three tools to think differently. Three tools to think differently. Do this. Number one, talk to yourself. Uh, capture your thoughts. Okay, we're going to do an exercise right now. <clears throat> I'm going to put some numbers up here on the screen, and um, just in case you forgot how to count to 10, uh, I, I put the numbers up here, and so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to lead us through counting to ten, just like this. I'm going to kind of go like this. I'm going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And now here, I want you guys to do that with me, out loud, real loud. I want to hear you counting to ten. Okay, are you guys ready? You understand? You ready? Are you ready? So let's count to ten together. All right, one. Two, three, chocolate cake. I love chocolate cake. Chocolate cake is the best. I just love chocolate cake. All right. How many of you guys, uh, how many of you made it to 10? Uh, how many of you are gone at chocolate cake, right? And, uh, and, and so listen, this is what the Bible says. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verse 7 says, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to squirrel. You guys remember the squirrel reference from the movie, you know? And, and so how many of us are, uh, we know, we've heard many of these kinds of things. We've heard information like this before about uh, there's things that have happened and I dwell on those things and I shouldn't dwell on those things. And I need to think about whatever is good and pure and right and noble. I need to think about those things, but our minds. And so sometimes it literally means writing down some notes and putting them around the house in prominent places so that you don't fall into the pitfalls and the snares and that you remind yourself that God is good and he is in control and I am his child and that the devil can't change that. And he is uh, my God and my King and my Lord. And I'm one of his kids and, and he's with me and he's uh, helping me to transform. And you need to write those things down and take captive those thoughts and talk to yourself and talk to yourself and talk to yourself and remind yourself. And then do this. Know that it takes time. It takes time. Here's a, here's a picture of Sailorville Lake. This is over in the, in the middle of Iowa. And um, uh, several years ago when our kids were little, we used to go here all the time. Here's a picture of my kids. And, and uh, they got, uh, got my son and, and then a couple of them on there are my uh, girls. And then there's my my niece and my nephew, and this is at Sailorville Lake, and here's a picture of kind of, we go out, and you guys have, most of you guys have done this, we're, we're by a body of water here, and boating is a thing in our community as well, and, and you know how it is when you go out there and you go tubing, and you go flying around, and all you're trying to do is trying to get that boat to cut as many sharp turns as fast as you can, because all you're really trying to do as a good dad, as a good father, is to see if you can't get that, that boat to turn hard enough that'll whip that tube hard enough that you can shed all of your children off of the tube and watch them skip across the water before they finally... You know that that is the goal of the good father when he's out there tubing, cutting and cutting and doing... Right? Isn't it? Anybody? You've done that, right? And, you know, and then you're kind of pulling the, you know, the seaweed out of the back of your brain going, oh, that was a good one, right? And you've been there. You've been there. You've been there. That's so fun. That's so fun to do that. Here's a picture of a, some other boats. These are, uh, these are super tankers, super tankers. My boat, my little boat, it was, it was a nice little boat. It'd go maybe 40 or 45 miles an hour when you get it up on plane. And uh, it, it was a, the, you know how fast a super tanker can go? A super tanker, top 
speed in the middle of the ocean with nothing but time to accelerate can go all the way up to 16 knots, 18 miles an hour, 18 miles an hour. I tell you what, if there was a tube behind that thing, that would be a nap, right? (laughs) I mean, 18 miles, no, do you know how long, when we, you know, you know what it's like, you, you, you fly around, all your kids go off of the tube, and then, you know, you just, you kind of, boom, you throttle it back, the thing just kind of slows down, you turn the wheel, you go back, and you pick them up right there, just in a tiny little area. You know how long it takes a super tanker to stop? I'll illustrate it for you here. Let's say that the super tanker, now we know there's not super tankers on the Mississippi, but let's say a super tanker was going full speed, 18 miles an hour, and it hits the brakes in Princeton. It would not be stopped until it arrived in Port Byron. 6,000 meters it takes to shut down. You know how they shut that thing down? Uh, They're going full speed ahead. They literally throttle it all of the way back. They put it into neutral. They put it into full reverse. And that's how long it takes to stop a suit. You know how far that is? Right out here, if we kind of all went down to Subway for lunch this afternoon, and and then we kind of made our way right down into Port Byron. And and if if it went full reverse, if it started stopping there in Port Byron, it would get stopped just in time so it wouldn't go over the dam down at Lock 14. Do you know how much space it takes a super tanker to turn around? 1,200 meters. What's that mean? Take a look at this picture. In order for a, in order for a super tanker to do a single U-turn, 1,200 meters to turn it around. It takes time. It takes time. Some of us have little emotions, like a little, a little runabout inside of us, and they come and go. And then we've got these super tanker, sumo wrestler emotions, and we just need to know it takes time to get some of that turned around. God's with us. He's for us. We can't give up. It takes time to turn it around. Then do this. Empower a friend. Empower a friend. Give someone permission to call you out when you are being emotional. Empower a friend. My best friend's name is Mike Damastis, and he's a preacher over in the middle of Iowa. And uh, he's, a, he's a good, good friend of mine. This is genuinely how good of a friend he is. Is that If I'm going through something very frustrating, very discouraging, something that is overpowering, something that is really dragging me down, I can call up my brother Mike and I can tell him all of that. And then you know what he does? He just starts to laugh. He just laughs at me and he pokes at me and he makes fun of me and he says, you're being a big baby, you big whiny baby. And he says all that kind of stuff. And I can hear that from him and I can hear that from him and I can know that ultimately he's right and it's true. And he just laughs and laughs and laughs. But I have the kind of relationship with him that when he, you know, oh, your dog died. Oh, shut up, you know. And okay, now you're thinking, you know, you're thinking, oh, that's cruel, right? But you understand what I'm talking about you have people in your life that you can tell things to and they'll call you out if you're being and if you don't you need to 
There has to be people in your life that can call you out when you are letting your emotions run over you. A long time ago, my wife changed every sermon that I've ever preached. So if you don't like them, she's right over there. And um, uh, but a long, long time ago, uh, when I was uh, first starting to do this thing, uh, I would uh, I'd, I'd write sermons and I'd say, "Oh, Karen, 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 Karen," and, you know. And then you know, bless her heart, she had to sit through the thing uh, when I, you know, and I was just kind of learning, getting my feet underway. And you know, I'd sit there and I'd preach a sermon, and I thought I just preached the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And and she just kind of go, "Well, yeah." Yeah, that, that was good. Uh, you know, that's fine. Now, is there a way for you to say that exact same thing, but say it in the positive instead of saying it in the negative, you know? And, uh, and, and, and she changed all of those because all I wanted to do is show up every week and just be like, y'all going to hell? You better change, you know? <laughs> and, and, and she would say, no, no, how about if, how about if you say, uh, you, can, you can go to heaven follow Jesus, you know, flip that thing around. She, she changed all of those, and she was able to speak into me and, and, and help. And do you have people in your, in your world, in your life, that can help you change? We need people in our life that can help us change. We need people. And how, how, how does a super tanker, you know, harbors, harbors are pretty small. Pull, pull the super tanker into the har- harbor. How does the super, if it takes 1,200 meters for the thing to do a U-turn, how does a super tanker turn around? It has a tugboat. It has a tugboat. It has a tugboat. It has a series of other little, little, little boats that come up by it and, and kind of push on it and kind of help it get going in the other direction. It has a tugboat. You need a tugboat. You need a tugboat. Transformation does not come automatically with new information. That means you can come to church and and, and do life and not change. Acquiring new information is not why you come to church. You come to church to have fellowship and accountability and to be a tugboat. That's why you come to church. That's why we are here, because emotions are gigantic like a sumo wrestler, and we're trying to turn around, and we're trying to fight the enemy that is the devil that doesn't want us to be able to turn around, and we need each other. We need to pray for one another and lift one another up and be engaged with one another. We're to be a tugboat. Feelings, you're not the boss of me, and I need somebody to help me turn around. Number one obstacle to me, being the person that Jesus wants me to be too often is me. Because it's too easy for me to follow the path of least resistance instead of fully engaging the process of denying myself and becoming the person that Jesus wants me to be. I need to know that there's people around me and you need to know that there's people around you that will push and tug and pull and call us to be the people that Jesus would have us to be. I don't know where you all are on your spiritual journey, but I know this. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, he wants to put his spirit inside of you and save your soul. 
He wants you to attach yourself to the body of Christ and put your membership in his church that you would be around the other tugboats as we move towards Christ. I don't know what decisions you need to make in your life to be the person Jesus wants you to be, but I know this. You're convicted of something right now by the power of the Holy Spirit Don't run from it. Act on it. Move towards Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the salvation that we have. Father, help us to love and encourage one another. We ask it in Jesus' name and amen.